Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the Debbie Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com, with your hosts Ricky Valero and Chris Stoops, bringing you all the guys who should be on your fantasy radar this season and leading into your upcoming rookie draft. Welcome to another edition of the Debbie Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com. I am your host, Ricky. As always... I'm joined each and every week with my co-host Stoops. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. So this week for my little random fact of the week, um, I actually had a hard time coming up with something. Usually I can kind of find something pretty quick. but um, So I went back to 24-7 and I literally went back all the way to 2000, I think as far back as it goes. Um Kept scrolling through, kept scrolling through. Well, I finally got to to the uh, – well, back to the 2017 class, I guess you could say. But anyway, um, looking through, and I came across the one Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Oh. Love him. Mm. He's an absolute stud in my book. Um, he's been putting up numbers ever since uh, I can remember. <laughs> well, he was only a three-star coming out of high school. He was number 371 in his class. Um Overall ranking at the the running back position, as you've seen, they they have the all-purpose backs and then they have your traditional running back. But whenever you put them all together, um, it, it changes their rankings a little bit. But he was 28th overall, 24th at his position, which he was just a straight running back. Um, and he was number eight in his state. So I was curious. I kept going, kept going. And, and we talk about this 2020 class, you know, and the running backs, the receivers, the everyone, you know, that's it, going to be coming out or potentially coming out. The running backs are, are absolutely deep. So then I got curious, well, when was the last class that could probably, you know, or will this class, I should say, compete with previous classes? And what was that best class? So went back, 2006 had a really, really good class. Um, just to name a few, Benny Wells, DJ Speller, uh, Spiller, DeMarco Murray, LaShawn McCoy, and so on. Um, 2009 was pretty good as well. Trent Richardson, Kristen Michael, who... Sadly to say, he he did not pan out in the NFL, but Neither most Dane backs um, <laughs> honestly don't. So I hate to say it, but it happens. But Lamar Miller, Eddie Lacy was in that class as well. Chris Thompson, Carlos Hyde. Um, so I went to 2011, kept going through, like I said, year to year. Isaiah Crowell, Devontae Freeman, Melvin Gordon, who was ranked pretty low in his class as well. He was 27th. Um, Javorius Allen and DeAndre Washington. They got to 2015. Um, and I'll jump back actually to the class that I really, really liked. But 2015 had, you know, Damian Harris, Ronald Jones, Darius Geis, Naheem Hines, Saquon Barkley, um, Josh Adams, to name a few. But looking at the 2014 class, this class is the one with Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Sony Michelle, Rock Thomas, oh, who man. hasn't done much in the league, but he was a stud in college, um, Nick Chubb, Royce Freeman, Christian McCaffrey, and Samaj P. Ryan. So, 
when you look at it from the Devi aspect of things, because obviously it's we've seen their NFL production and Fournette just can't stay healthy, but when he's on the field, he's an absolute stud. Dalvin Cook, same situation. Um, Joe Mixon, you know, the list goes on. that They've produced in the NFL, so you kind of start to think a little different. But when you think back to the Devi aspect of it, they, these guys were highly, highly touted. So in my honest opinion, I think this 2017 class – is going to overtake that 2014 class as the best um, in recent years, um, if not the entire, you know, um, Debbie aspect of things for running backs. I mean, Najee Harris, Cam Akers, Stephen Carr, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Ty Chandler. I, I could just keep going. And Eno, ben- Eno Benjamin, Travis Etienne, Chuba, you know, Chuba. he's in that list. I, I just... The whole point of, of my, my rambling here is just that this 2017 class coming out is going to be absolutely stacked in my opinion. And even if they don't come out in 2020, some of them come out in 2021, it's the same concept. Exactly. Yeah, it's a different year than they go pro, but they were all the same recruiting class coming out of high school. So to put all of those guys in one class and then to see what they're going to do in the NFL, we hope anyway, I'm very, very excited. And then again, Jonathan Taylor being ranked as low as he was, it was, it's just so shocking when you find that out, you know, you, you see them performing at at the high level in college that they do. And you just kind of expect them to be that top performer, that top ranked guy in their class. And sometimes they just aren't. I just absolutely love to see that that guys can kind of, you know, get, get out of that way of, of being a little bit, you know, ranked a little bit lower. And a lot of it probably comes down to who did they play? You know, if, sure. they, if they didn't play someone in a, in a top conference, they didn't go to a big school. I, I went to a smaller high school and we had some really good guys, nothing of an NFL caliber necessarily, but we had some really good guys and they just didn't get the, the attention because we were such a small school and the team really wasn't that great either. So, you know, it, that always plays a factor, I'm sure. But to see where he was ranked in the class that's going to be coming out, it's it, it's very interesting and, and, and kind of a, a cool little thing to see there. One tidbit I would say about this upcoming potential upcoming 2020. There's a lot there's a lot of juniors in yep. this class potentially that could come out and some that depending on how the year goes for them they might go back, but this is I think the best offense year that we've had in a very long time. Like there is probably three or four really good quarterbacks. The running back positions probably stacked maybe 10 guys deep. And this is probably the best receiver class that we've had in a long time. I mean, yeah. this receiving class is loaded. And these guys and the top five guys that come like, you know, just looking right at the top of my head, they're all juniors as well. So, you know, this class is loaded as well. I, I wanted to add something. This came out today, and I don't know if you've heard the stoops or not, but this was Mr. Coach Pruitt after uh, today, after back-to-back losses to Georgia State and BYU. I don't know if you saw this comment, but I think, this is his words, I, I'm quoting his words exactly, I think Titanic came out maybe when I was in college. When the boat starts going down, remember all the mice running to the top, right? We've had a few had a few that left our program, but we'll figure out who wants to be Tennessee Vol- who wants to be a Tennessee Vol and who don't. I can tell you this. I want to. I know the standards and expectations that we have and the men and of our staff and the character that we have. You will see the best players at Tennessee throughout the year. Now, I, I don't know if he remembers what happened to Titanic, but the guys that ran to the top, those were the ones that survived. I, I just want to throw that out there. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, I want to throw it out there that his comment made absolutely zero sense and 
it was thoroughly embarrassing. But I, I couldn't help myself whenever I saw that. I mean, we talked earlier about Lynn Swan's now gone from UIC as the left athletic director. I was going to talk about that a little bit, but when I saw this comment, I couldn't help but put to to mention it because UT is a dumpster fire, and it's a true embarrassment to that that school. It's the first time in thirty one years that they're zero and two, so it's kind kind of comical to watch them collapse big time. Yeah, and they've they've you know it's been a while since they've been that true like powerhouse program, but yeah, they've at least been a respectable program look good on the field and this year they um they're doing quite the opposite they're just not not looking like they used to at all i mean on the plus side they've got they've got ut chattanooga coming to town uh this weekend so they could probably maybe beat them um it's it's still up in the air if they might not beat them or not but still it would be comical if they lost again they haven't even played any sec teams yet and are zero and two so it's it's pretty hilarious but, not a good start. Not a good start. But folks, on today's episode, we're going to tackle the Debbie stock market again. Guys who we think are on the rise and guys whose stock we think are going down after week two of the college football season. We're also going to take two guys that we really like out of the American Athletic Conference. So I'm excited about that. So Stoops and I are going to dive right into that right now. All right, folks, I'm going to kick it off this week with the guy who I think stock is massively up. And I, my personal opinion, I think the front runner for the Heisman Trophy right now, and that is Cool Joe Burrow. I'm telling you what, I absolutely love this guy. And you know what? I'll be honest with you guys. I'll be 100% honest. I saw him play last a full game last night for the first time, and I was absolutely blown away with what I saw. This kid's a four-star recruit out of Ohio. He obviously transferred out of Ohio State to try to get some playing time as well. As well. But he's 6'3", 208. Could let's six four according to some sites. I, I never understand what side I need to go off of, but between six three and six four is his height. Uh, Two hundred eight pounds. I wish he'd put on a little bit of weight, but that's fine. I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment. I, I promise you, Stoops. I'm really not because I'm not going based off just what I saw yesterday. He has the intangibles, and he and he has from the beginning. It's just him having the opportunity to showcase it. He's got a strong, strong um, arm. I think he's got an NFL-ready football IQ that uh, some of these other other quarterbacks in this draft that might not. Um, he was the top quarterback prospect in Ohio in 2015. Um, he's a, he's able to stretch the play. He can throw on the run, which he showcased that against Texas on Saturday, which was fantastic. Um, there's a few things that I do like about him. Otherwise, though, he's he's able to stay cool in the pocket. Um, it's impressive the way he's able to stay in the pocket. He's, he's very shifty, um, as a quarterback. So he's, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he is, he's kind of fast. Um, but the way he's able to throw the ball on the run and hit guys, I actually like that as well. Again, we talk about it each and every week when we talk about these quarterbacks is being able to make plays on the move is very key as a quarterback nowadays because these guys on defense are faster and faster and faster. And as you watch these games, you can see how fast some of these guys are. And you can't you can't hold on to the ball for six or seven seconds like you used to maybe 20 years ago. It's a four or five second, if you're lucky, depending on your offensive line. I mean, you saw some of the games yesterday in the NFL. Like Baker Mayfield had no time to throw the ball yesterday. He just got crushed left and right. But you can pay all that money for all these weapons. But if you don't have an offensive line, it doesn't really matter who's your quarterback. But looking at this game yesterday, and, and, and I saw all 39 throws. 
I was I was glued to the TV whenever I was watching some of this some of this uh some of these plays. This kid was unbelievable yesterday. 31 for 39. 471, four touchdowns. Yeah, he had the pick. He did get sacked four times as well. But I have I have not seen a quarterback it, this year, and, and this is probably give or take 10 games, and I've watched the big games with the big quarterbacks, even Trevor Lawrence. Um, I watched Costello play a little bit in week one. I watched Stanley play as well. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I haven't seen, and I've even watched two, two a play, even though they played cupcake games. But I have yet to see a guy make NFL throws the way he did on Saturday. Um the way he was able to stay calm and cool on the road, mind you. Texas is not an easy place to play, period. It's not. And Stoops can probably attest to that being in that area for sure. But the way he was able to stay in the pocket, make fantastic throws against a very good Texas team. This is a ve- let's, not, let's not forget, this is a very good Texas team. He didn't do it against Cupcake State. He did it against Texas. Texas was ranked in the top 10. It was beautiful. And, and just every single throw. He had the one bad pass where he threw the pick, and I understand that, but that's fine. But this kid's good. And I'm reviewing some of the stats. If you look on a lot of these people's websites, he's a senior this year, so he's going to come out. He has no choice but to come out. So if you look at him, he's ranked between the 10 and 15 range for quarterbacks. And of what we've seen so far out of some of these quarterbacks this year, um, Costello's been hurt. Yeah, it, again, Again, not being a prisoner of the moment, Costello's hurt. Lawrence has not looked fantastic. Lawrence is still going to be Lawrence, obviously, if he comes out. Um, Herbert is has struggled. Fromm hasn't been fantastic. Steve Montez hasn't been great. Shea Patterson's been brutal. Mackenzie Milton, Jacob Eason. He's got the opportunity. And if you look back in the in the, in the history of college football, all it takes is one season. You had a guy like Vince Young. He had one season where he was just phenomenal. And just came off the draft radar. This is a guy that you're going to see at the Senior Bowl. This is a guy that's going to consistently play. He plays against hard teams week in, week out. He's going to have the cupcake games in between there. But the SEC, he's going to be NFL ready. And I love him. And Stoops, did you watch any of these games? Because honestly, the whole game was just fun to watch. There was playmakers all over this field. It was like watching an NFL game, was it not? It was. I I actually watched the entire game um, start to finish. And... You, you know, I was very pumped for that A&M game, didn't pan out, but this honestly was the game I was looking forward to watching. As big of an A&M fan as I am, this game lived up to everything that we we thought it would. Mm-hmm. It, 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 Joe Burrow, even Sam Ellinger looked, he looked great. He, he had his moments. Ellinger, you know, he, he tried to force some things, but Joe Burrow, you said it. He, he looks NFL ready, in my opinion, as well. Just... The accuracy that he had, he had a couple, you know, misfires. But as, as every game goes, all quarterbacks will. It's part of the game. Exactly. When you get pressured, you're going to have those, you know, miscues. Um, and the one interception, ultimately, if it's one interception in a game, when you throw four touchdowns, I'll take that more Almost often. Almost 40 passes, so, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it was 79.5% completion rating, 471 yards and four touchdowns. Like, come on, I'll, get, I'll take that all day. Exactly. And just and, and the biggest thing that I was super, super excited about for this game just in general, the Debbie prospects across the board, both sides. I mean, Jamar Chase, in my opinion, he looked amazing. Um, Justin Jefferson was actually even the top guy. Um, Justin Jefferson, 163 receiving yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that 
just across the board, the the Brennan Eagles looked amazing. Um, Devin what, Duvernay, he Duvernay, looked amazing. Yep. Just oh my goodness, it, it lived up to everything you you could have imagined it to. And Joe Burrow, in, in this week here, basically in the quarterback rankings, I went through um, on expandtheboxscore.com and kind of ranked it through and looked at things. He was number three. Across the entire um, incident, I, what I did was minimum of, of 25 pass attempts. So it wasn't just someone who, you know, had three pass attempts and 100%. No, it was 25 minimum for pass attempts. He ranked number three in the nation for completion percentage. He was number two in passing yards, and he was tied for third with with touchdowns. Um, it just, I mean, and, and he was actually, as far as pass attempts, he was tied for 10th. So the fact that he, yeah, he's still top 10. He was still up there in pass attempts. But the fact that he wasn't one of those top guys, Sam Ellinger was number five, and he had 47 pass attempts with less yards, a lower completion percentage, same amount of touchdowns. But Joe Burrow just, I mean, he, I don't, I don't know what else to say. He and, he lived up to what I was hoping he would this year. Because looking at his stats last year, they were very, very mediocre. They really very. were. 2,500 passing yards last year, only 12 touchdowns and four interceptions. He's already up to nine touchdowns on the season this year. And and I'm just I'm excited to see the that he continues to make. I mean, and, and like you said, doing it against top level competition, doing it against what were they number nine in the country at the time? Now I think they yeah. dropped to not to twelve. I think is where they dropped. Yeah, um, six versus that. nine. So, yeah, so being the ninth ninth ranked team in the in the country last year, and and to your point, I've been to a game at at, at um the the dk royal um i've been to a game there it's loud it, it was an a&m ut game so you can imagine how loud that was when the rivalry was going on in the big 12 it is loud and even with the construction that they're doing i think they said it's on the south end or the south uh, side of the stadium nonetheless even with how open that is i guarantee you it they had ninety thousand plus people there i believe they said it's it's an amazingly loud stadium, and just the fact that they were able to stay so poised, um, both sides of the ball. Truthfully, yeah, they allowed what thirty eight points, um, but it, when you're in a shootout like that, it's it's bound to happen. But just the the composure that he showed, the passes that he was able to complete, uh, just it, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal game. And and there's one thing that uh, there's one thing that if you remember correctly. Um, in the Oregon game that I criticized Herbert about was not being able to close the game out, right? Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I meant to say that earlier, and I completely it just got—I lost track of it. But every single time Texas answered, Joe would go back out there, drive him back down the field, and score a touchdown. The the most one of the most impressive plays of the entire game for me was third and seventeen. It's thirty-eight yep. thirty-one. Okay, or no, 30, I might have been 37, 37, 31, I think. But it was third and 17, and Burrow throws the touchdown pass to Jefferson for 61 yards on third and 17. They complete the two-point conversion. They go up 45, 31. The game's basically over right there. You know what I mean? Two minutes left, they're up 14. Texas, yeah, Texas did end up scoring. Ellinger looked fantastic, but... My the one I'm looking for when I look at a quarterback is can he close out the big games? And this game, it's it might not get any bigger bigger for him this year, obviously until they play Alabama. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at this biggest stage, it was the biggest game of the year so far, in my opinion. It's bigger than the Auburn Oregon game. This was this was two powerhouses knocking each other's teeth out, scoring the points, and the way he was able to close the game out, absolutely 
just swayed me in ways that I didn't think that it was possible already watching him play the game. So it was fantastic to see him play and progress throughout the game and make the big plays that he did in the first quarter, in the second quarter, and when the game was on the line in the fourth quarter. You can't ask for a better performance out of a quarterback. And I, and I know... And I know right now everybody's talking about the Heisman hope and stuff like that with um, uh, uh, with, with with Hearns. Everybody's talking about it. But I'm sorry, the big stage is where I'm looking at. And right now, J- Cool Joe, I'm gonna name Cool Joe. <laughs> cool Joe is is my guy right now, and that's who my stock's up. And, and I'm telling you right now, he might go out there and throw six picks next week. But I don't care right now. I'm riding the Cool Joe bandwagon this week. I sure hope he doesn't. They're playing. Who was it? North <laughs> Northwestern State. He might. Have, he's probably going to play the first half. Yeah. If he exactly. and then I bet he sits the rest. You know. Exactly. Um, yeah. Just I was looking at their schedule because I was curious. They end up. They play Florida, um, which you know we saw. You know they're mm. they have a good defense. They have, yeah. They have so a good, they have a good pass rush. Let me get that phrase. They have a good yeah. pass rush. Not a great defense, but a very good pass rush. So they play Florida at home in a couple of weeks. They play Auburn at home, and then they have to tra- they have to travel to Alabama. That'll be the big and one. And then and then they play LSU at home to close. I mean, I'm sorry, they play A and M to close out the, uh, the the season. So they got a couple couple of tests, you know, coming up here here pretty quick in a couple of weeks. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can continue on this this path that he's on. Hundred percent, Stoops. Who do you got for us for your stock being up? So this week, I oh whoa, I zoomed in too much. I have. Um, <laughs> I have a guy that people were very, very high on his freshman season. Sophomore season rolls around, didn't have such a good year. People start to, uh, I don't want to say they got down on him, but they started to, you know, question his ability, uh, which I found very, very interesting. Um, and that's a one Cam Akers running back from Florida State. Um, he's he's one of those that's a 2020 eligible as well. He was a five star coming out of high school, number three in his class, number two um, running back overall, and he was number one in his state as well. 5'11", 213, great size. Um, he had uh, what was it over his freshman season? He had over 1,100 yards from scrimmage um, on a nine 196 total touches. That was a that was good enough for twenty six point two percent scrimmage yards, basically a number one on the team. So he was phenomenal his freshman year. His sophomore season, he did take a, a step down in total yards, one hundred eighty four total touches, only had eight hundred fifty one total yards from scrimmage, but that was still number one on his team. So at nineteen point four percent. So what that says to me is, as a whole that team just wasn't right. There was something about that team that just wasn't right. But truthfully, it did. It, it had very little to do with Cam Akers. He did everything that he could that sophomore season to to still, you know, help his stock in a sense. Um, but overall, when you have such a great fre- freshman year and then you back it up with a sophomore season like he had, it does kind of put a sour taste in some people's mouths. But the talent's there. The talent's always been there. Um, he accounts for thirty nine point five percent of the team's total yards from scrimmage this season. Against Boise State in week one, 15 rushing attempts, 118 rushing yards, and a touchdown. He did have one fumble, um, but two targets and two receptions for only 12 yards, but still caught every pass that went his way. Week two, this most recent one, 36 rushing attempts, 193 yards, two rushing touchdowns, five receptions on five targets for 55 yards and a touchdown. That's the Cam Akers that everybody's wanting to see week in and week out. 
he is just a phenomenal player. Very quick, very good with his hands. He he finds the holes. Just watching him play is is amazing. He actually on his team he he's number two on the team in dominator rating, thirteen point eight percent, which says a lot about him because generally with your dominator rating, you see a lot of receivers. You don't see running backs that high on on the the list, you know, with the high percentage. So he just he's the focal point of that offense. He's an absolute stud. Um, I do believe he will come out, but how we've been saying there's going to be a couple guys that don't, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't come out. I hope he does. Cause I want to see him at the NFL level, you know, for, for selfish reasons. I just want to see the guys <laughs> exactly. at the NFL, see what they can do, but it wouldn't shock me if he was one that said, you know what, I, I'm actually going to come back for my senior season um, and, and just see what I can do here. So it'll be interesting to see what, what he does. But yeah, with the with the performances that he had basically week one and then also definitely week two, his stock is is, is continuing to rise as it should be. Um, I, I'm just I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. He's one guy that I've kept an eye on and, and one guy that I, I do like as well. Um, his stats, obviously, like you said, are improving per year. And I think he's he's already on pace to suppress what he did all of last year. Um, easily. I mean, easily suppress what he did last year. Seven targets already. Uh, a few things that stick out. I mean, he's able to take it to the house pretty pretty regular, you know, whenever he wants to. I mean, this guy had a 44-yard touchdown this year already. And he's got a 38-yard scamper on the, on the ground. And he's catching passes, which... I don't know how many times I've said it on this show. I'll probably say 150 more times, but I love a running back that catches patches passes because the hurry up offense is a big thing in the NFL. And if you have a running back that's not going to come off the field for all three downs, that's the key to uh, key to fantasy. Period. It is. Um, he's got. He's. They run this offense to this guy. 23 carries on first down. I mean, it, it's. Or I'm sorry, 25 carries on first down. That my apologies. Um, they run the offense through him. Um, I agree with you. This team is just not, uh, it's not what it was. You know what I mean? This Florida State team has been upset. They're just, they're just okay this year. Um, you know, like you said, he could, you know, he's, he's got a four, almost a 40% market share on scrimmage yards this year alone already. This is Akers team. I'm excited to see him run the entire season. Um, you can't, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, having 36 carries, that's that's a monster game. 36 carries, yep. 193 yards. Almost 200, over what, almost 250 total offensive yards? I like Akers. I like Akers a lot, to be honest with you. Um, again, this 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 class is just deep in running back, and it's hard to say. You know, I, obviously he's not one of those top-tier guys, in my opinion. He's not one of the top, you know, three or four but Akers is going to be a guy in Dynasty that's going to be he's going to he's going to get on a team and he's going to make plays. So he's definitely somebody that you need to have on the radar and looking to at the future. And and I I I think he'll be and again, I already said it. I think he could be one that doesn't declare. He will probably be one of the last ones to make his decision. I think um, so too. He's probably going to wait and see you know, does Jonathan Taylor go? Does Travis Etienne go? Does, you know, J.K. Dobbins, does DeAndre Swift, so on and so forth. He's probably going to wait for virtually as long as he can. And once these other guys declare, then, you know, whoever he is talking to, because you obviously can't hire an agent until you're no, but you declared out of college. But he's got his people that he's going to talk to um, exactly. at the college level and stuff. So he will probably be one of the last ones to, to make his decision. Or maybe he'll surprise all of us and be the first and say, I'm declaring I'm out. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. 
I am going to kick off the stock market down, the guy that I think the stock is down on, and that's Kellen Mond out of Stoops' University of Texas A&M, four-star recruit out of... Uh, Four-star recruit out of San Antonio, Texas. Um, he's a dual-threat quarterback, as we all are very aware of. Um, let's see. <laughs> if we're talking about another guy that I watched full four, full four quarters of, um, I, I really like to... I, Clemson, they have a great offense. I want to see everything they do this year because I really want to watch what Lawrence and Etienne do throughout the entire season. And um, this kid's just <laughs> this kid's just not good. And, and I'm not I'm not trying to pick on this guy. I'm not. I really am not. And and I talked to Stoops earlier in the week, whenever or you know earlier in the day, I think Sunday, whenever I did end up falling on Mond. And the biggest reason why I fell on him is because Texas A&M I think should have beat Clemson. I mean that's just I'm just gonna throw it out there and say that they probably should have beaten Clemson. Um, they had every opportunity to do so, but just continue to fail. And the biggest reason why was because of Mond. I didn't like, uh, I didn't like the way he played on Saturday at all. But let me, I, I dove a little bit deeper into Mon's stats, okay? And by a lot, I mean a, a lot deeper into his stats, okay? He's only had, and I'm trying to remember how many games off the top of my head. I think it's like uh, 27 games. I think he's played in now. He's only had three multiple touchdown games against SEC opponents or or ranked or, or ranked opponents, and two of them were against Clemson, and one was against LSU. Last year, he had 24 touchdown passes. 11 of them came against a not-SEC opponents, including six against Louisiana State. Um, he's not very good against good teams. He has consistently struggled. He had the big game against Clemson last year before all you Kellen Mond lovers, if there's, if there's such thing out there, he did have the big game against Clemson last year. But outside of that, he's really struggled within his within the big games. And I'm not just saying big game. Like, not every SEC game is a big game. Not every SEC team's a good team. So if you factor that all in, he struggles against a lot of these two. Three multiple touchdown team games against SEC opponents. That's not very good. It's not. It's it's just it's hard to watch. ETN wasn't great in that game. Texas AM did a fantastic job of shutting him down. Lawrence wasn't very good. In that game, he made some big time throws, but he was just mediocre as well. AM was in this game 24 42, 236, a touchdown and pick. I, it was rough to watch, Stoops. It really was. I mean, I watched this game and I was watching. I'm like, man, just make a play. And he would overthrow a guy, make a play. He would underthrow his receiver, make a play. He'd take a sack. I'm just like, what is going on, man? Just like, make a play. I'm sorry, it, Stoops, that I didn't it, mean to pick on no, you. You're, preach, you're preaching to the choir, dude. You're a preacher to the choir, trust me. Watching that game, I – so I – I'm one of those – so I've said it before. I, I don't necessarily have that NFL team that I'm just a diehard fan of, but I've been a lifelong A&M fan. So when I was watching this game, I was standing up the entire time. And Well, let me rephrase. I was standing up for about a quarter and a half just – I was antsy. I was watching it because they were still somewhat in it. You know, they go up three zero. I'm like, all right, we got this. We got this. He's just throwing it 10 yards over guys. He's taking sacks. He's just like watching everyone. He's letting the play clock run out. Like what is like, I, I didn't know what he was doing and, and I've been on record and I'm sticking by this. Nick Starkle should have been the starter. I know really fit the type of offense that Jimbo Fisher wants to run. I, I understand that because Kellen Mon can run. He has that ability. 
he is a terrible throwing quarterback. Yes, he's had those games with uh, phenomenal yards, phenomenal touchdowns. He's had those games, but so have other quarterbacks. You know, it, it, it's it's not a uncommon occurrence. He he just I don't know. He just can't do it. He he doesn't. He's not a Debbie prospect to me, to be honest with you. If you have a Debbie league, a Debbie team, you're doing drafts. I would steer 100 percent away from Kellen Mond. If you're doing a um, a college football fantasy league, you know, maybe, yeah. He, he's going to put up some decent numbers here and there. But from a Devi aspect, I don't see him as a, a prospect that you should be targeting, to be completely honest with you. So the fact that he's your stock down, I 100% agree with you the way he looked against Clemson this week. 24-42, 57.1-completion percentage. That's just, again, Clemson's defense is no slouch. They are a good defense. But you've got to do better than that. You're, you're, you're he had the opportunity to that, make plays. That, That's the biggest thing. He had the opportunity to make plays. Exactly. The fact that he started, I don't remember the exact number, but he started, what, like 5 of 16 or something? I don't yep. remember exactly, but it was, was something close, close to, that. to that. You just can't do that. And they were still somewhat in the game. That's what was so frustrating about it um, from a, a fan standpoint, much less you know, just someone who who – you know, watches the games and wants to see guys succeed, which we all do. But just from a fan standpoint, oh my, it was just so frustrating to watch. Yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. So the one thing that I to break it down here, I found the the split right here. That is the, the, probably the even more infuriating thing was okay. So against SEC teams, he is for his career two hundred and thirty pass attempts. I'm sorry, four hundred twenty four uh, pass attempts, two hundred thirty completions, fifty four point two percent. 2,800 yards, 18 touchdowns, 13 picks against the SEC. I'm sorry if you're playing. That, that's the team you're consistently playing each year, year in, year out. Those are the schools that you need to beat. I mean, he's got, like, if you, when he plays the Sun Belt, he's he, 65% completion percentage, <laughs> seven touchdowns, two picks. You know what I mean? If he's playing the Sun Belt all year, this this kid might be good. And I'm sorry, it's just in wins and losses. In losses, he's got a 49% completion ratio. In losses, he's got eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. That is awful. That just goes to show you that in these close games, that he's not a guy to rely on. And and to be honest with you, I'm with you. Stock downs. There's I don't even know if I if he was on the stock market, he wouldn't even be a penny stock right now. Yep. Sorry. Well, and, and, and like we said before, and you even text me about it, because Courtney Davis, he was one of my guys. Keep an eye on him. He's a stud. But I mentioned the the thing that's going to hurt him the most well, is quarterback that quarterback play. play. Yep. So Courtney Davis is still doing decent, still putting up numbers, you know, while he can. He did have some some drops, I will say that. Um, but the, his quarterback play has got to help him. Jamon Osmond, I will say, Jamon Osmond, he he stepped it up quite a bit. Um, he he made some catches. He's been kind of in and out. He was hurt last year, so didn't play a whole lot. But they've got receivers there. Um, what is it, Kendrick Rogers? He's a huge receiver, huge receiver. Just, he just can't. Kellen Mond just can't get him the ball. It just it's it's frustrating. It's 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 just frustrating to to talk about these other receivers. So, you know, obviously the tight end situation is a little murky there with um, Cup going out with his his injury. So um, that, that quarterback play's got to improve. Kellen Mond's got to do better. Who do you have for us this week for your stock down? The guy that I have this week is another quarterback. Plays at Michigan, Shea Patterson. Ugh. Yeah, he. Uh, I know he's your favorite. So. Um, <laughs> He, uh, he, he's just, you know, and, and he was one that, that wasn't necessarily 
up, you know, he wasn't the number one, number two, number three guy, you know, on, on people's Debbie's Debbie watch list by, by any means, but he was still a top quarterback that a lot of guys talked about. Yep. So you expect more, especially playing at Michigan ranked what number seven in the country. Yep. Um, solid team. He's just not doing it. I mean, against Middle Tennessee, 58.6 completion percentage, only had 203 yards. Yeah, he had three touchdowns. Cool. You know, no interceptions. But he had two fumbles. One was a loss. And then against Army, against Army, you, you and he doesn't play defense, obviously. You know what Army's going to do. They are going to run the ball 99 times out of 100, and, and they're just going to try and milk the clock. So I found it interesting, and I'll get to his stats in, in a second, but their time of possession difference. I, I, just thinking about it, I was like, Army had to have held the ball way more. Army had the ball 31 minutes, 35 seconds. Michigan had the ball 28 minutes, 25 seconds. We're talking about a three-minute and 10-second difference in time of possession. That's not, that, That's almost even. You, you could almost call that even. So the fact that Michigan had the ball virtually just as often as Army did, and he only had 207 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, great, eight rushing attempts, negative 18 yards. Again, I'm with you, the the rushing stats for quarterbacks in college, you know, the, the sack probably counts as a – who knows, whatever. <laughs> but two fumbles – both of them for loss. He can't, he's not, yeah, he didn't throw an interception, but he just can't take care of the ball. And one of them was, if I remember like a strip sack, he was going back to throw and I believe it got stripped from him. So, you know, that that's going to happen, but you got to feel the pressure. You got to feel it. He overthrew wide receivers that were wide open. I mean, he had a guy that his receiver beat the, the defender by at least five yards and he overthrew him. It's just, and that would, it would have been an easy touchdown. He would have walked right in. Um, he missed way too many short passes, you know, just little dump off passes. And he's just throwing them a little too high. Like his running back, it's those, you know, those halfback screens and he's just overthrowing his running backs by, you know, a yard or two, which is all the difference you need for him to not be able to come down with it. He did still have some good throws. You did see the Shea Patterson that, that a lot of people are expecting to see. Um, but overall he just didn't perform. And ultimately Army beat themselves, if you want to be completely honest with you. I don't think Michigan won that game at all. I think Army beat themselves. Like They just tried to get too cute with it. They they tried to call some pass plays whenever the run has clearly worked for you all game. Just continue to run the ball. Like They threw, what, an interception at the three-yard line? Yep. Like, it, just don't get cute with it, Army. Just go beat Michigan. Be the te- Michigan's always that team that loses. And now Army has always... They stuck with Oklahoma last year, if I remember correctly. So they stick with those top-notch programs. But Army just or, – or I'm sorry, Michigan's always the team. Like they lost to Appalachian State years ago. Like it, Michigan just seems like that team that people just, just want to go and beat, you know. So Shea Patterson, he was just – he's not impressing me at all. His stock's going way down, not even just a little bit in my opinion. I feel like it's going way down. He's just not doing much. And, and honestly – if he plays like he's been playing against Wisconsin, Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State programs like that, they're not going to win any of those games. Like They're going to lose all of them. Michigan's going to go unranked, and it's just not going to be a good season for them, and it's definitely not going to be good for him whenever it comes, you know, do I declare, do I go pro? Like It's just not, not going to be good for him. Yeah, um, this one, I, I, am, I am a Michigan fan. I am. Um, I, I am a Michigan fan, and this – I I'm at a loss for words. I mean, this guy, Shea, 
This guy should be maybe playing in the XFL or something next year. I don't think he's going to translate into a good college quarterback. Um, just like I spoke about earlier, you have guys like um, you have Cool Joe doing what Cool Joe's going to do. Cool Joe's not even in a lot of people's top ten. I mean, Shea Patterson. I've looked at four different places right now, and he's in the top five quarterbacks heading into the twenty twenty draft right now. His stock mm-hmm. is going to plummet. It's going to. He's not played good. He's not going to play good. Michigan just is awful. They're just an, they shouldn't win games at all. They should have lost last week. I don't even know how they were in that game. I, I but that they were in the game because they were playing bad teams. You know what I mean? Right. So next week or you know whenever they start playing these harder teams, it's not going to be Shea Patterson fumbles twice they still win. They fumble twice they lose by thirty probably. You know what I mean? It's frustrating. I'm not a Shea Patterson fan. I didn't like the fact that they started. You know when he came over from Ole Miss, he wasn't very good at Ole Miss either. So, I mean, he's got some potential. He does. There's got to be something. But he's just not that guy. And guys like Joe Cool and these other quarterbacks that are going to step up this year, those junior seniors that are on that fringe that might not be as good as they were last year, if they're good this year, it's a, again, it's we all get prisoner of the moment, but so do they do. The NFL draft is also a prisoner of the moment sometimes as well. We've seen that consistently with quarterbacks coming out of college. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, he's a guy that came out and he just, everybody just fell enamored with. Daniel Jones was a top 10 pick this year, which was a joke. All it takes is one, Daniel Jones wasn't even really good in college either, but that's beside the point. Um, Some of these guys, they just get enamored by him and then they get, they take him. Shea Patterson's stock right now, to me, in my opinion, would easily be in the five to seventh round right now. And that's, that's, that's being generous, I believe. That's what I was going to say. That's being generous. So I I am on the Shea Patterson right next to Kellen Mond bandwagon to be honest with you, uh, he's not that bad but uh, yeah it's it's brutal to watch and uh, I I I commend you for having him on your stock down because it was an embarrassment to watch yesterday big or time. Saturday big yeah big time. Well, folks, we're going to dive into the guy that we picked for the American Athletic Conference and my guy is going to be Patrick. Taylor Jr. out of Memphis. Um, this guy's really exciting to watch. He's a uh, he actually was a three star recruit out of Humble, Texas. Um, this is another one of these guys. My favorite thing is to go from website to website, Stoops, and figure out what the difference between the size is on guys. Because I I found him on one side at six one and a half two oh nine, and then I find him on uh, Pro Football Reference. Uh, they not Pro Football Reference, but College Football Reference. They had him at six three two twenty seven. Big time difference. I've seen a couple different websites. He's six three two twenty seven. Um, he's th- this guy's. This guy's really good. Uh, I'm a big fan. I, I like what I've seen some from him so far. Um, he's got perfect size. And let me. The, the one thing that I re- that really, 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 really stood out for me for Patrick Taylor was is looking at his stats last year. And as crowded as that backfield was, this kid mm-hmm. produced and produced a lot. And I was thoroughly impressed with that because. Look, I mean, if you look at it, three-star recruit, Texas. Texas, you know, obviously we know what Texas is. This kid, there's, there was very, not a whole lot of information on this kid coming out um, to a lot of people. I, I like him. I mean, I think that he's got the raw capability and the way he was able to, he had 1,000 yards in the grand last year, which was fantastic considering he had H- Henderson, who had almost 
two thousand uh, to three uh, eleven hundred. Oh, sorry, over three thousand purpose all purpose yards between Henderson Pollard that have are gone now. They're gone. Pollard mm-hmm. and and Henderson are both gone out of this team. They had thirty three thousand all purpose yards, thirty four touchdowns. That is completely clear from this backfield. That is the, the, his for the taking. Now, obviously, as we talk about this, folks. He is hurt. He's going to miss a couple weeks. He's got the boot. But that doesn't mean we're going to stop talking about him because of that. Because right now, this kid is load. This kid is super, super talented. Um, there's a few knocks on him. Um, I, he does catch passes, but he doesn't catch them as fluent as, as I like him to. That's not, you know, it's not a knock against him. Maybe it's just the way they run their offense and stuff like that. Um, he did end up in, you know, like I said, game one, he was fantastic. Get 143 total all-purpose yards and a touchdown. This team loves to run the football and loves to run it down your throat. He's a big bruiser back. Like I said, his catching ability could step up. He's he needs to play the season. He does. I mean, uh, looking at it, he's gonna have to come out this year. There's gonna be the, there's some decent ability for him to improve throughout the season. It's gonna depend on the injury on where he lands. Now, I, I talked to you Stoops before about it. I know you said you have him on your Debbie League and one of your Debbie League. He has huge potential. And I think that he's going to be one of those lower tier third, four, third, third, fourth round guys that's going to end up surprising people because of his talent. Um, I mean, he ha- he has the he, I don't know. I'm trying to find the words for this guy. He has the ability, but he just is missing just a little something. And I think that it's the fact that he hasn't been able to be featured a featured back for you know. 13, 12, 13 games in a season. I mean, he only had 20 carries three times last year, and when he did, he produced. I mean, the last three games of the se- last three games of the season last year, he had 20 touches, 112, 19 touches, 128, and then in the bowl game, he had 15 touches, 118. I mean, so it was there. I would like to see more of what he showed last year, but it wasn't. It just with the injury, it's a little bit concerning. Because I'm not exactly sure what we're going to be able to see at him. It's going to hurt his draft stock a little bit. Obviously, as we've talked about with one of the most loaded running back classes of all time. I'm pretty interested to see what you have to say about him, Stooks. Because honestly, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there on him. But at the same time, it's hard to it's hard to dissect him on what he's going to bring to the next level when you had guys around him that did the same thing and he's not having the ability to fully take on an offense the way that you would like to see him take on an offense um, heading into the NFL. The touches are going to be low, which is a plus in, in one way. But at the same time, I'm just not... There's something about him. I like him a lot, but there's something about him that, I, that I'm missing. And maybe, Stoops, you can tell me what I'm missing. Well, and, and you, you kind of hit on it. The fact that he was in such a crowded backfield last season, it did hurt him um, because he wasn't you know necessarily a feature back per se. He wasn't the go-to guy. He was just kind of, in a sense, a role player, really. So to, to have that chance this year to be the guy, but then to have the injury, so now, yeah, he's going to miss some time. So um, hopefully he can come back and, and you know come back healthy and just, just start to dominate it on the field. Um but yeah, like you said, I have him on a, a Devi team, and it's it's one of those where, I, as I said before, it's it's a deeper league. You you start to take guys for that opportunity, for that potential, you know, for them to to have that one good season, get drafted possibly, maybe not get signed as an unfree, undrafted free agent, whatever the case may be. He could be one that basically starts to really come on at the end of the season once he gets a little bit more healthy, uh, mid season, end of season type thing. 
and, and really to start to come on and then come pro day, um, may or may not get an invite to the combine, you know, who knows. Um, but at a pro day kind of thing, just start to, to really, really show what he's capable of doing. And that could really start to impress the scouts. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do once he gets healthy and what he's able to do with the opportunity that, like you said, is, is now there, like all those touches, all those pass catches, all those yards in general, like they're gone. It's, it's his, his for the taking. He just got to stay healthy and get on the field. Agree a hundred percent. Who do you got for us this week, bud? So the guy that I've got this week is actually another three-star prospect coming out of high school. I've got Michael Warren running back out of Cincinnati, um, 5'11", 218. I watched the Cincinnati-Ohio State game. I was very pumped to see what he can do. Um, didn't do too hot. Didn't do too hot, but that's, <laughs> that's not that's not you know scaring me away from him at all. I still think he's an absolute stud of a prospect. Um, again, loaded class he he is 2020 eligible so um he can definitely come out if he so chooses um good pass blocker i've said it about some other running backs that's huge in the nfl if you're a good pass blocker you you can you can get onto the field um may not get a handoff may not get a pass catch nonetheless but you're there you can make those pass blocks they'll get you on the field he's patient with his runs he's quick and agile um there's not much else on the team. So that's why a lot of the defenses can focus in on him so much. Um, so that, that hurts him, you know, hurts his numbers. And one thing, and, and I won't get on too far of a tangent with it, but while watching the Ohio state game, I don't, I don't know if you watched it at all, but chase young on that Ohio state defense looked and he's, he's a defensive end. If I remember correctly. And I know we don't do much IDP or anything like that, but that dude just stud. stud. He's an absolute stud. Um, so that did not help, uh, Michael Warren in this week against Ohio state, but I mean, in the red zone, he had 13 rushing touchdowns, um, 56 rushing attempts, 155 yards. He had six rushing touchdowns outside the red zone, 29 targets and 22 receptions. He had 70, 75.9 catch percent outside the red zone and a hundred percent catch percentage inside the red zone with one receiving touchdown. So ultimately get him on the field get him the ball and, and more times than not, he's going to make it happen. He's going to make some plays. He had seven games with two plus receptions um, last season out of 12 total games. He had six receptions on six targets against SMU last season. And he had seven games with a hundred plus rushing yards again out of 12 games. So he he's capable of doing it. He had 165 rushing yards against Virginia tech, 151 against South Florida, 141 against UCLA. Dude just can do it. And he had 10 games with five plus first downs. He had 10 first downs against UCLA last year. He he is capable of, of doing anything and everything you need him to do. I absolutely love him as a prospect. Um, I don't have him on a Debbie team, and I'm pretty upset about it. But um, he is one guy you need to keep an eye on. Is he going to be one of those first, second, even a third round guy? Probably not, to be completely honest with you. Probably not. Um, unless he has a good pro day, has a good, you know, if he goes to the combine, has good uh, numbers and good stats there, he might bump his stock up a little bit. So not expecting him to be one of those top elite guys that are coming out, but he's definitely going to be someone who can make a difference on a, on a football team in the NFL. Um, and definitely a fantasy, fantasy relevant back given the opportunity. Yeah. I, uh, it's crazy to me. Um, whenever I, I, you sent me, uh, you kind of got dibs on Michael Warren to, uh, you know, the second pretty fast. You're like, Hey, we're going to cover American conference. And, uh, I want Michael Warren. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so I started diving into him. This is one of the guys that I think, to be honest with you, depending on the year, it's going to depend on how his stock rises. Um, like we, we've, I mean, we're going to preach it till we're blue in the face, but this running back class is deep, but, um, he's one of those guys. He's got, he's like the middle of the round guys. 
that you really really like especially in deep 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 fantasy leagues and again I, again another thing i'm going to preach until i'm blue in the face is he catches passes and i love that he's got big play abilities and that blows my you know i love it i love it i mean he's rushed for 96 first downs in his career he had 70 first downs last year he's already got 20 this year i'm sorry he's got six this year in the in the pair of games and i'm telling you i love a guy that has a nose for the ball last year his touches he got the ball every all quarters he, he you know first and second half he a little bit more in the first and second half than he did in the second half but it, they were di- divided up pretty solid throughout he had 22 percent um touch rate in on the opponents inside the opponent's red zone which is beautiful I mean, you want a guy that's going to touch the ball in the red zone, and you touched on it a little bit earlier. I mean, it, it was it's amazing. I mean, 22% of his carries last year happened inside the opponent 20-yard line. 20 touchdowns last year, guys? 20? Holy cow. Like, I mean, you know, if you look at his stats, I mean, you see a lot of 0-3 yards. I mean, that's, just, that's what you get out of running back, period. I mean... You know, I, I'd say I think it was like, uh, let's see, 23% of his touches went for eight-plus yards. That's that's beautiful. You can't ask for, you know, much that a, a quarter of a guy's rushing yards come from, you know, eight-plus yards. You love it. This guy can take it to the house. Um, he's averaging what I think is it, uh, you know, he's got like four. And it's, it's only like three or four yards of carry right now, which is nothing. It's early in the season. I'm not sweating that at all. But to be honest with you, Michael Warren's one of those guys that I'm keeping an eye on because with a successful season, like I said, you can get him in that mid-tier pick. And that's really going to make a change. A change. Like I'm in a 16 team league right now. Like those are massive, massive, massive leagues. And with those, if with those leagues, you have got to be keen to those guys in the middle of the rounds because if you're not, you're going to get stuck with nobodies. You know what I mean, Steve? Like you have got to pay attention to these guys that are going to be drafted in the third, fourth, and fifth round, especially offensively, because the way the balls are going around in the NFL these days. There's running back values, two running back values on every single team now. You know what I mean? Not everybody's got a Barkley. Not everybody's got a Zeke. Not everybody's got... I mean, even look at Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was a monster a year ago. But, I mean, he, you know, Henderson was getting touches. Brown was getting touches yesterday. This is the backfield of sharing is a thing of the now. I mean, look what the Patriots did yesterday. They ran Burkhead, they ran Michelle, they ran White. I mean, everybody's touching the ball now. You know what I mean? So these deep guys that are these are the ones that I really really like covering is these guys in these literal conferences that make the big plays. And he made the big plays against the better teams, like you mentioned, Virginia Tech, the UCLA. The Virginia Tech game was a beautiful game that he played, and I was impressed by that one alone just because Virginia Tech, it, it, you know, Cincinnati's not a big, well-known school. High-scoring schools, you know, in the American Athletic Conference, but I really liked what I saw out of Warren this year, or last year, and then, of course, heading into this year. Absolutely, 100%. Folks, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Debbie Delight. Folks, do us a favor. Sign up to expandtheboxscore.com. We use this tool week in and week out. Not only can you use it for college, but they released the NFL recently. And, folks, it helped me a lot this weekend setting my lineups for the NFL uh, DFS. It's got a fantastic tool where you can look up so many variety of tools. Uh, Stoops, what's your code, buddy? My code is um, it's all capital letters. I didn't mention that last time. All capital letters, Stoops, S-T-O-O-P-S, 10% off. 10% off. Use Stoops right now. Expandtheboxscore.com. Check out the Twitter account, at XTBboxscore. Check out the show, The Debbie Delight, on Twitter. 
Follow Stoops on Twitter at Stoops1990. Follow myself at Ricky Valera underscore. And folks, if you have any questions at all for future podcasts daily, weekly, Stoops and I are always around. We'll get to them whenever we get an opportunity to. We'll answer some on the air if you'd like as well. Um, As always, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. See you later.